0: Hey legends and welcome to the Celtic Down Under podcast. I'm your host Jared and joining me tonight is Liam. How are you doing Liam?
1: I'm all right, aye. Um oh, doing a bit better than one of my friends though. Um friend of mine was uh, telling me that the other day he got his um get his smartphone out and he uh, accidentally mixed up the uh, the grinder and the pizza hut app. That was one 10-inch vegetarian he'll never forget. <laughs> I, guess I got the right sound. <laughs> <up>. <laughs> yes, Wow,
0: go. <laughs> happy days. Yeah, it's um, good to be back. Had a week off, you know, international break and all that sort of stuff. So um, yeah, not just the players that were going to be revitalised. It's you and me as well, Liam. So um, back on. But before we do, just um, because it's been a bit of a slow news week, you know, because we've been in national games, just. Anything we're talking about, any topics you want us to discuss, let us know in the comment section. We're more than happy to make this as mo- as interactive as possible for you guys. So if you can do that, that would be a great thing. Also, if you haven't subscribed to the pod- down under podcast podcast already, but tongue-tied there, please do so on your podcast app or on our YouTube channel. All right, let's get stuck in. So we've got a um few topics here. As I said on our notes here, Liam, Celtic versus Saint Mirren. The less said, the better. I think that's pretty mm. much a good summary.
1: Yeah, I'm going to take the uh, the Jeremy Clarkson approach with that. Oh no. Anyway, moving on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I'd have to agree with you. Like we had the um, we we're on the match day coverage for that one. For um, me, uh, John, and Sean, where I think you weren't there. So we we're oh. on that on the next Axel- uh, YouTube channel, and yeah, everyone pre-game was talking about, oh, yeah, we've got enough squad depth, blah, 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 and then we dish up an absolute steaming pile of horse crap like that, and um, yeah, it's made the uh, international break frustrating, to be honest with you, because if it was going to happen right before an international break, so then you got two, three weeks of the, the Scottish media carrying on, like, you know, the the roof's fallen in, blah, 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 and so the bubbles burst, all this. For me, right. my thoughts on it overall is the name of the podcast. It's just a bump in the road.
1: Well, it's nice and considerate of Queen Elizabeth to drop dead when she did, because it kind of took the pressure off Celtic, didn't it?
0: Oh, we've tried to
1: In terms of the news flow, I mean, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, we've tried to stay away from that, but... Yeah, well, I can understand exactly what's happened, but, yeah, we'll just look at it and go. There's all sorts of stories like the kick clash, you know, the constant changes, Moy had an average game, a bunch of things like that. Every podcast out there, not just ours, but every Celtic podcast out there has had their say. We've all been there, done that, discussed that. The only reason I'm bringing it up is because... We're going to roll into straight away into previewing the game on the weekend against Motherwell. And I wanted to use this as the tie-in so that I can go through the lineup from the St. Mirren game. And then I want to ask you, Liam, how do you think Ange is going to play the, play it in the game against Motherwell? Do you think he's going to go with the same lineup that played against St. Mirren? Or do you think he's going to go back with his um, – you know, is he going to go with the guys who have been training during the whole break at Lennox Town? Or will he go back with all these international stars, like the line, the main lineups? What process are you thinking we're going to have?
1: I think it will just be business as usual. We'll go with the strongest team available. Because um, one of the other things to consider is that this time, Japan in particular, they were playing their friendlies in Europe. They were not playing in Japan. So um, this is that... all
0: in Germany, I think.
1: Aye, that, that 12-hour flight that would normally be a consideration for the boys isn't this time, so it's uh, it's no different than any of the other guys that are on international duty in the, in the Nations League. So, uh, yeah, I think we'll just go with the... Especially considering that Kyogo only played, I think, half of the... half of one of the games, and Hatate didn't play at all, and obviously Daisen's out, but... Um, Let's yeah. put a
0: pin uh, in the Mother World game then, and keep talking about the international games first. Then probably makes more sense. So, sorry. you being based in Japan, me being based over here in Australia, there was one game where Moy played against New Zealand. Yeah, he did the usual thing: stroll around, pass to the side, pass to the back, kept the ball going, being the regulator of the team. So he did. Aaron Moi did Aaron Moy things. Nothing yeah. out of the ordinary. I think he was the guy travelling the most distance out of all the international players that Celtic had. However, he travelled just as far. He didn't quite travel as far as Ange did, though, because Ange flew to Sydney in the same break. Moy <laughs> only flew to Brisbane there's an extra hour and a half flight time out the way, so
1: there you uh, go. Aye. Uh-huh. Um, so what do Jack? Uh, Ange will not give much sympathy to anybody who complains about long flights at training on Monday, will he?
0: <laughs> Absolutely not. So you were saying with Japan that Kyogo only played, what, half a game? So...
1: Yeah, he played. Um, I didn't actually see the USA game, but um, the, the game last night against Ecuador, he played the first half. Um, just one of those games where that Kyogo has from time to time where he's not necessarily having a bad game, but just nothing was really coming off for him so he he got swapped out at half time for another, another striker um a very for for a no-no draw it was actually a very entertaining game both teams could have won it um japanese keeper saved a penalty it was a really really good game
0: yeah fun.
1: also are we are we to anybody who is outside japan or has a vpn and wants to watch Japanese international games, uh, the JFA TV YouTube channel shows all the Japanese international games live for people outside of Japan.
0: Ding, ding, ding. I'm to a winner now. Happy days. <laughs> Hi. Yeah, so um, I'll look at it and go with the international break. My main concern is particularly going into a World Cup in, what is it, two months' time. I'm not really too interested in the results. I know a lot of the Scottish listeners are, and Liam's wearing the Scotland shirt for the listeners, not the people watching on YouTube. So <laughs> there's clearly some some results have meaning. But yeah, for me, it's all about Celtic and I just want all our guys back uninjured. Unfortunately that hasn't happened. Jack is hurt, Maid is hurt, Haksabanovich is hurt. There's a few others there, so we're going to come back a little bit beaten up, but that is what it is, I suppose. That's football. That's why we have the, We talk about that squad and the squad depth, I suppose that's what it is. So, Liam, you being a Scot- yeah. proud Scotsman, what are mm. your thoughts on uh, the results for Scotland? And well, you know- one thing, just hold that thought there because like, I know yeah. you're going to want me to finish this thought. What are your Go thoughts on. On, the, on the result? And what are your thoughts even more so on England getting relegated out of their group and Scotland going above them in, in the groupings now? There it is.
1: <laughs> well, um, let me see. Uh, first of all, the, the interesting thing was I actually had my, uh, I had my, my COVID shot on the same day as the first Ukraine game. So my system was completely knocked out of whack as it always is whenever I get a vaccine. And, uh, so I woke up at about half three in the morning, our time, and the game was on in 20 minutes. So I thought, all right, I phoned my dad, phoned him up, we watched the game. And uh, of course, Scotland ended up winning 3-0. And I'm like, bloody hell. And then the next morning, I kind of come to about half 11 in the morning, still feeling a bit woozy. Um, and I phoned him. I said, Dad, just clear things up. That wasn't like some sort of vaccine-induced hallucination, was it? We did actually beat Ukraine 3-0. He's like, yes, yes, son, we did. I was like, oh, thank God. Um, That was an amazing result, completely unexpected. Um, You know, I, I know Celtic fans don't always follow Scotland, and that's fine. People make their own choices, but I do. But I don't expect much from Scotland, you know. Um, until last year this was the last tight this was the last shirt that in fact it's still the last shirt that we wore when we won a match at a major tournament. So and that was nineteen ninety six. So uh you know, perspective. But um I think uh, I think Scotland are going the right way. And the funny thing about this is that we are now in the same qualifying seeds group for the next Euros as England so we cannot draw England um, we're a pot two team as well but the interesting thing is with England getting relegated there's a couple of pot one teams that are actually I think quite beatable for example Hungary are in pot one now and they have had a couple of outstanding recent results but they're, they're beatable you know Um Germany did not look like the team they they, they used to be against England, certainly. Um, really entertaining game of football, but both of those teams look eminently beatable in terms of uh, if you're Brazil or Holland or Spain and you're sitting watching that game, you're going to think, aye, I'll take either of them on. The thing I um, noticed
0: in the highlights yeah. of the Scotland game, especially the one that was just played, what was it, the second Ukraine game? Yeah. Is that Kalmak... Taylor, Ralston. The speed of play from those three, especially with throw-ins and free kicks, they've taken that from the Celtic environment into the Scottish environment. And it really, you could see a difference. I don't know whether that's green-tinted specs or or what, but yeah, I noticed that.
1: No, because funnily enough, I've got a friend who follows Scotland, but is actually a, actually a a Serco supporter. But he actually said to me, he said, that's that's the Celtic influence. He noticed the same thing with the, the quick throw-ins and the quick tip, set pieces. And, uh, yeah, yeah to me, it's, not it ju- it's not just us. Other other fans are noticing it as well.
0: Okay, cool, yeah, because to me, I was looking at it going, hang on. They look like they're a step faster and a bit quicker of their thought than most of the guys on the pitch. So, yeah, it was, okay, good. I'm glad it wasn't just me saying things. <laughs>
1: Yeah, um, some really interesting games actually. I mean, Denmark beating France was a was a shocker as well. I, I, um, well, not really because they've already beaten France once in this in this championship. But France are the I tell you now, heard it here first. There's always a big team that crashes and burns in the first round of the World Cup. I think it could be France this year. I'm calling them, Iya. Aye, aye. They are looking. They're looking very, very vulnerable, and a team of individuals that don't seem to know how to play together. So,
0: well, we know Pogba and Mbappe don't like each other. So there's a start. Aye, no. I'm just bringing up the World Cup groups now to see mm. to see what we think on them, Liam, because we've we've been through them before, and mm. we've said who we think it's going to be, but we haven't gone over it a lot recently. So. Uh, let's um, make that larger, and then I'll share it onto my screen and everything, and if I can fit it all on, we'll go from there. Okay. That's a shocking picture. Oh, there we go. It's the one I wanted. Cool. Let's, uh, let's share this on the screen. Uh, that one.
1: Ah, oh, there we
0: go. Right. Well, I've got to change the uh, the screen for a moment. There we go. We'll do there that. We are. So you've got Qatar, Ecuador, Sen- Senegal, Netherlands. I think that's a pretty weak group. What are you thinking from what you've seen over this international break? Uh, the,
1: the the Dutch will will win that group, no question. Um, They're up and
0: down, aren't they? Back under Louis Van Gaal, isn't it?
1: I up until last night, I would have said Senegal were nailed on for second, but Ecuador showed enough last night to make me think that that could be... Those, there's not much to choose between those two teams. Um, and, there, you know, the in me always thinks that with Qatar being the hosts and the financiers of this tournament, there might be some shenanigans in play to make sure they get through. So you never know. But on sporting merit, I would go Netherlands and then Senegal. But I wouldn't be surprised if Ecuador sneaked through instead. Yeah.
0: Group B, England, Iran, USA, Wales. For me, talking about Group A, yeah, Netherlands and Ecuador are my choices. Group B, I'm thinking you're talking about a big team that's going to crash out. I'm saying it's going to be USA top, Wales second, England's going to be that team that comes third. Mm. If Harry Maguire is the centre-back, I think they're in a world of hurt.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, they also just, seem to have I'm settled careful. on a goal. They've not settled on a goalkeeper either, which is not helping them. Uh, so, yeah, I think... Hmm, I think USA will win the group. Um, Wales and England are going to be playing it out for second because I really don't think there's much to choose between those two teams at the moment. Um, yeah. Iran are just there to make up the numbers, but but... They're a big physical team, and as we've seen with England recently, when like when they played Hungary, for example, if a physical team gets in about them, they don't fancy it. So you never know. Iran might steal something there, but realistically, I'll go USA and England. I think England will get through, but they'll get they'll get they'll get pumped in round two.
0: Okay, so, so with Iran, just something that you watch a lot of Asian. AFC football, so Asian football, and yeah. you notice Iran. If the because you're saying they're physical, yes. If they're behind and they're chasing a goal, they will throw people around. They will get super physical. If they're ahead yeah. by a goal with 15 minutes to go, cue the time wasting and the dives and the taking the ball to a corner and falling over, uh, getting trainers oh, yeah. coming out, all that sort of stuff. So they're really good game managers. So I can see that frustrating a lot of uh, drunken louts in the crowd if they were to have a few drinks in Qatar. Who knows?
1: Well, I mean the thing is, in recent times, Iran have got decent results against the likes of South Korea, Australia, and Japan. You know, in the last few years, so they are they are probably, I would say, that definitely the fourth best team in Asia. But they can occasionally challenge the top three as well. So yeah, yeah.
0: All right. Group C, we'll quickly get through this one because I think it's pretty obvious. So you've got Argentina, yeah. Mexico, Poland, Saudi Arabia. That's the order I think they'll finish.
1: Yeah, I would agree. Yeah.
0: Group D is the interesting one from my point of view because we're just talking about Denmark and France playing and some mm-hmm. results and stuff, and they're in the same group at the World Cup. So if those yeah. guys are going to take points off each other, that's good for the Australian team because... You got Tunisia in there as well, who are decent. So, I'm thinking realistically, it'll probably be France and Denmark playing for first and second, Australia and Tunisia playing for third. But if they take points off each other, who knows? Um, I'm going Denmark- to say De-
1: Denmark and Australia to go through. I think I think <laughs> France Fra- France are going to shit the bed. I'm telling you now. You got happen.
0: more faith. you got more faith in Australian team than me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, I just really don't rate. I don't rate this French team at all at the moment. So,
0: yeah. um, so group, group E: Spain, Costa Rica, Germany, Japan. Now, that's a. Uh, I'm just gonna say that's a World War II, you know, losing sides dream group.
1: <laughs> Fascists of the world unite! <laughs> um, yeah, it's. Uh, it that oh god. I mean,
0: Spain's, not, Spain's not the team they they were. Germany, no. I think their golden generation's coming to an ending. Japan are a good team. And then you've got Costa Rica, who could beat someone on their day.
1: Costa Rica so, yeah. are the wild card there, because everybody's saying it's Spain and Germany, but Japan might have an outside chance. No one's mentioning Costa Rica. And yep. as somebody who's going to be supporting Japan at the tournament, that... That worries me you know um they could be that dark horse but i think
0: i'll, spain I'll say, will it
1: for watch... win. I'll
0: say it for spain top and then mm-hmm. it's going to come down to if japan beats germany then japan will go through if it's a draw or germany win then they'll go through That's simple for me
1: i would i would agree with that but i'm going to go ahead and put um and uh predict Japan, because I think they'll beat Germany. If Germany played the way they played against England the other night, Japan could could take something from them, definitely.
0: Group F. Belgium, Canada, Morocco, Croatia. So I think this is pretty straightforward. Croatia, Belgium, and then the rest.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, good for Canada to get back to a tournament for the first time in 35 years, but I don't see them going beyond
0: round one, realistically. Yep. Group G, Brazil, Serbia, Switzerland, Cameroon. So this is one, other than Brazil, I think they'll finish top, but I can see any of the other three teams coming second. Yeah,
1: this is one of the most competitive
0: groups. Serbia will be your hatchet merchants out there kicking shins. Cameroon will have their speed out wide and Switzerland will have their organisation. So it's going to be who's style of play wins the day in the games they play against each other. It'll dictate who gets through.
1: Hmm. I'm going to... Well, obviously Brazil are going to win that group, but...
0: Hmm. I'm calling the Serbia same. second for my country and law.
1: Aye. Um, I certainly wouldn't mind seeing Serbia get through, because I honestly think they were robbed when they played Scotland in the Euro playoff last year. Um... But I'm actually gonna go for Cameroon because the African sides have all kind of slipped under the radar this year, and Cameroon are, are one that I've seen a bit of, and they've they've impressed me. So they could they could spring a wee surprise. So Brazil first, Cameroon second.
0: You mentioned an African side there in Cameroon, so that ties into my ones in Group H. So you got Portugal, Ghana, Uruguay, Korea. Hmm. This is another one like Group G that there's no... But I don't even know who who your favourite for the group would be. But for me, I think it'll be Portugal. No, actually, it'll be Uruguay top. Ghana will come second. Portugal will be third. Just to annoy Ronaldo. That's the reason for it.
1: (laughs) Uh, I mean, apparently Ronaldo is a is a worry for making the tournament. He's got a major back strain from carrying that Portugal team for the last five years. Um, but uh, jokes aside, I think uh, I think Uruguay will win the group and Portugal could be that other team that, that other quote-unquote big team that falls on their arse in round one. Um, so I'm going to say Uruguay and South Korea. Uh, nice. Just, just don't let my just don't let my wife hear me bigging up the Koreans. She'll not be too happy about that.
0: <laughs> I know nothing. I heard nothing. No comments. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, um, I'm sure when the World Cup's on, we're going to dive into it all again, as we will. But you know, yeah. just off the back of the international break, I thought you know it's a good chance to just touch on, especially with a couple of months till the World Cup. But now back to Celtic because that's why we're all here. Yes. Oh, sorry. I got to bring up one comment from the international stuff because it's hilarious. (laughs) As an Australian, I 100% agree with this comment. Red Zepp, Australia are pretty (laughs) lovely right now. Facts.
1: Oh, God. And I thought finally someone who can challenge Scotland in the self doubt World Cup. (laughs)
0: <laughs> There's a difference Like, okay, you guys have got the self-doubt Us over here, it's tall poppy syndrome It's like, you don't want to be that one that one poppy That, you know, sticks its head up above the rest of them Because you get it cut mm. off So it's like, let's all keep it low-key But no, nah, we are lousy at the moment, I'll be honest
1: I, I just always remember following Scotland When we went 5-0 down to Portugal With about 10 minutes to go and my dad just looked at me and went, Son, we might have to settle for a draw here.
0: <laughs> what a call. Oh, dear. Yeah. All right. So, back to the game. Celtic mm. versus Motherwell on the weekend. Now, just, just for fun, I'm not counting out Motherwell. I'm not playing them down. But just for a laugh, I thought. You know what I'll do? I'll look at our last four results against them in the league. Hmm. So, October last year, Celtic 2, Motherwell 0. December last year, Celtic 1, Motherwell 0. Sorry, I'll go back to that first one, though. 2-0 1, Turnbull scored. Okay, the second one, Rogic scored. Then we've got February, 4-0 of scores. Cracking one. But then yeah. 15th of May, 6 nil. So last season on aggregate, four clean sheets. That's the first thing. That's the reason I'm pointing it out. Mm. We've got some injuries in our back line. So, Liam, do you think we'll, the, the key to beating Motherwell is to keep a clean sheet as the, um. pri- as the priority, or do you think we're going to leak a goal?
1: No, I think I think we might lose a goal, but I think we'll be three or four nothing up at the time, so it won't matter. Um, I think, and the thing is, I've no I've no animosity towards Motherwell. Uh, you know, that, uh, unlike certain other teams, they took administration on the chin and dealt with it the right way, so I've got a bit of respect for them. Um, but the. uh I <laughs> <laughs> but the um. I think that whoever Celtic we're going to play after the St Mirren game is going to feel the the wrath of a, a team that's got a point to prove. And I think we'll go out and batter them because I think Ange is a sort of manager who, although he would never publicly admit it, he will be raging at some of the utter pish that has come out in the papers since the St Mirren game. And he's going to want to throw down a marker and just remind everybody who is the boss in Scotland.
0: 100% seeing that first hand over here as well. So um, I'm looking at it going the lineup we played against St. Mirren was Joe Harding goals, Greg Taylor, Jens, Welsh, Ralston, Turnbull, Moy, McGregor, Maida, Abada, and Kyogo up front. Mm. So that was the lineup. Now for me, the key thing is who do you think we're going to see as our centre-back partnership? Because what options do we have at the moment? Like, you've got Carter Vickers well, is hurt still. You've mm-hmm. got Starfelt still hurt. So the options there, we've got a Jens and Welsh. And then, Aye, but... what do we do? Do we bring up Bose and Lawell from the Colts, or do we to have at least have a centre back on the bench? What do we do? It wouldn't surprise me.
1: I would just go with the same two because they're the best two that are available, and I think with the St Mirren game, the entire team underperformed. So I don't think it's fair to single out individual defenders. Um, you know, on Axon last week, the, a similar question came up, came up about Joe Hart. And I said, look, no, just because uh, when a team loses a game unexpectedly, it's it's a kind of re- reflexive reaction among some people. to blame either the defenders or the goalkeeper, because they're the ones that ultimately stop the goals um but i don't think you could actually point to direct faults from any of them in that game i think the whole team just didn't didn't do it that day
0: it's one of you yeah, you spot on there because it's one of those things where i look at it and go you can't really blame or put it on one person as you're saying but at the same time you can normally carry we normally have that much depth in our squad that if one player has a 5 out of 10 game we still win yeah. two or three but when Aye. the majority of the team having a five out of ten game, that's where the issues occurred. That was the leveler against St Mirren. So, for me, I can't see international break and giving the guys a bit of a rocket and everything. I can't see is just going out there and doing a five out of having five out of ten game again.
1: No, definitely not. Definitely not. Um, because Ange, is a, you know, Ange knows his tactics and stuff and he's obviously much more knowledgeable about the game than either of us and he will have seen particular things in that game which we didn't. We're just saying, look, generally it was a bad performance but he will have picked out specifics and he'll be working on them in training because the guy strikes me as an absolute perfectionist or that kind of thing. He notices a flaw, he'll up. stamp it out right away.
0: I can tell you straight up two things that he would have noticed straight away mm-hmm. and been getting... Even when he was back in Australia, he would have had Harry and the boys, Harry and, you know, the rest of the guys back there drilling them. Our one-touch mm-hmm. football was atrocious against St Mirren. There was no zip on the ball and were taking too many touches before looking the pass. And the other thing was movement off the ball. And both of yeah. those are effort, effort skills to me. It's like, okay, do you want to take that extra step to make that one touch to get to the ball, so you can make that one touch pass. Once you make a pass, do you want to make that little run in behind? Not necessarily to get the ball back, but to draw a defender out of position so they can't double up on, on a guy like a barter trying to cut inside the box. Right. No. Little things like that straight away he would have been bang bang. Those were those were things that were making thing making it very stagnant for us. And I think we'll see a lot of uh, a lot of improvement on that. Vanessa McCormick in the comments. If Sligo Rovers can beat Motherwell, anything other than a good win would be worrying. Fair point.
1: Yeah, yeah, fair point. Um, but, again, it's one game. And if we didn't win, all right, that would be two games in a row we haven't won, which has not happened for over a year. But, yeah. Um, I wouldn't say it was crisis time, you know, because even the End Rangers would still need to win their game just to just to go one point ahead of us. So. Oh, well, that
0: ties you into then. That ties into the next thing there, Liam. Because yeah, for me, it's what sort of reaction are we going to see from the players after our first loss in the league in pretty much twelve months—a day short of mm. twelve months. For me, I don't really see. As you're saying, it's one game. There's no point, you know, throwing the baby out with the bathwater off one game. Like, we're still top of the league. We've still got that little cushion. Yes, it undid the derby win in terms that we got those extra three. But if we can slip up, so can Rangers. That's the key yeah. thing. And the thing with us slipping up is that's one game early in the season. Mm. They don't have the squad we do, they don't have the squad depth we do. Eventually, yeah it's going to it's you know it's going to turn on them and they're going to have those slip ups and when that happens watch all the pressure on gio
1: i mean it's already started happening um, you know if you look at their their european performances you can see that as a team that is quite clearly tiring 60 70 minutes into the games and they're just falling apart you know um it didn't take that long for them to fall apart against Celtic, but that's another story.
0: <laughs> Sometimes, though, teams just come to the end of their tether as well. Like That squad, one thing we said in the 10-0 season was that that squad had been built over a three-year period to get to that level, and we had yeah. a bad year. They're two I mean, years that's on the from thing,
1: it was, that. That was a Rangers team playing absolutely out the skin. Right? That was those players playing as well as they possibly could play, right? Yeah. And it was also probably the worst Celtic team I've seen since the John Barnes era. And yep. yet, even then, they still only won the league by what nine points or something. It wasn't that. It wasn't
0: much. a lot. It wasn't a lot. But for yeah. me, like that's what I was saying, Liam. Like they built up to that season. They got the result, but now, then last year was the flow on from that of their run in Europe because they weren't doing it domestically. Now they've had their two peaks. What's left? Yeah. There's a lot of players there, like guys who wanted to move and couldn't get one because no one wants to pay money for them or the money that they want for them, and then they're left with the others. So there's yet our team. It's young. It's long-term contracts. There's a lot of depth there. Our team's on the come-up. Last year was League One was season one for Ange. We talk about season two for Ange being where his teams go to a whole nother level in the league, which mm. is spot-on. But this is season one for Ange in Europe. I don't count last year. This is season one for him in the Champions League, the team, the young players learning those levels. Yeah. So realistically, we've got levels to go domestically this season, domestically next season, Europe next season, another level to grow as our players get the experience. So, yeah, on that point, like, it's one game. So I'm thinking we'll see – to bring it back to the topic there was what kind of reaction do I think we'll see from the players? For me, the reaction is gonna be we're gonna we're gonna be got our guys back out there band. all right. We had a uh, bad situation last game. Let's make things right, let's get it back to how it should be.
1: Yep. Yeah. I think a marker is gonna be put down at the weekend we're just gonna remind everybody why we're champions.
0: Is it going to be my double-digit game, Liam?
1: Oh, I don't know. I don't quite think so because because Dyson's not fit. And without Dyson, you're not you're not going to get ten goals. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, as I said before, five-one is my prediction. I think five-one.
0: Jeez, you jumped to the end of all my little questions I had for you with your score prediction. Oh, (laughs) sorry. Sorry. Oh, good. The next question I had for you was, will we see a lot of Abelgaard play in this game? Especially with Moy having travelled all the way to Australia and back Mm. and Abelgaard being there and training and getting his fitness up and Ange saying that we're not going to see him until after the international break. Are we going to see an Abelgaard debut at Celtic? And if he does come on, we know he'll be that tall guy in the sixth position, so who pushes forward? Does that mean Kelmac's playing as an eight or does that mean... Moy's pushing as an aid, or what are we doing?
1: I would imagine that probably, uh, assuming he's he's came through his flight all right, whatever Moy would probably start the game, and assuming we're ahead by a goal or two at half time, um, I could see Avogard coming on at either half time or at the sixty minute mark, um, and then. What I would like to see is Cal Mack being freed up to push a bit further forward because I think he offers more creatively um, than he gets credit for. Um, there's also the selfish issue that I always had a couple of quid on him he scored the first goal. So,
0: <laughs> Just on that Cal Mac thing though, like I think it's great that he needs to step up, like step forward into that role. It's great. I'm happy for him to do it because he's got the skills to do that. The one thing is he's been sitting that deep for how many seasons in a row that it's going to take him a little bit to just naturally get that inclination back on, okay, where to be, where's the passes coming to me from, where's the space, where are the defenders? Because at the moment he's been sitting in that as a number six alongside Bruni for years under Rodgers, under Lennon, and now under Ange that it's like he's used to getting the ball from the centre-backs and then looking Mm -hmm. to distribute. So I think there's that little adjustment that we don't hear enough about but it's still, is still a good enough player to be able to do that.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Okay, I'm think so. Back to my question there, Abelgard. Will he get a debut at least? Yes. Good. I'm thinking he will as well. But yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. Because good thing is we've got the five subs. So usually Angel makes some subs at around the sixty minute mark. Subs off a midfielder, subs off a striker or or a winger, and then about ten minutes later, he subs, he makes winger, striker, other midfielder, and that's the rotation he normally does, unless he has to because of injuries or whatever early on. Mm. So, with that being said, what's your starting lineup going to be, Liam?
1: And okay.
0: who will be those subs coming on that I was just talking about?
1: Right, well, obviously Joe Hart and goals. Um as we've already discussed, centre backs, uh Jens and Welsh. Um I would depend again, depending how he's feeling, I might go with Ralston instead of Juranovic because Juranovic does have um you know he, he had quite a quite a rough game for for Croatia in midweek. Um, is the so. game still dark? That's the clicking um, I no, I think I think it's that first part. Let, let me just double check that. I'm just checking, Liam. Keep talking about the pointer. Man. Aye, sorry. Um, that's it aye, so, oh, okay, there you go. All right, we're good. Oh, that good. That means the huns are away to hearts. Then that, that, that's good. Um, no. Uh, so what was I saying? Aye. Um, so I think we could see Ralston starting at uh, right back. Um not sure how Greg Taylor is feeling because apparently he did have a wee bug. Um so you might you might see a start for Burnaby. Um although does he really need to pick up another three points, but that's another story. Um and then uh oh come on, come on. That was an open goal. I had to take that. Right. There you go. Um, I found that again. Uh, right. Uh.
0: <laughs> Come on, back
1: Sorry. Uh, so, midfield, Calmark, uh O'Reilly and Hatati because again, Hatati only went to Germany and didn't actually play any game time with Japan, so he's untouched. Um, and uh, then up front, uh, Kyogo with the uh, wingers Jota and Abada. That's how I would play it.
0: Nice, yeah. For me, heart and goals. You're saying Taylor's got a got a virus, has he?
1: Well, that's what the, I, I I didn't actually see the Scotland game last night, so I don't know if he played or not. But um, okay. But I know that going into the game, he was rumored he was a doubt because he had a, a summer bug, apparently.
0: Okay, so the back line, the, the question spot's left back position. Then I would start Juranovic. I don't know whether he's starting on the right back or a left back Mm. because Mm. it's a question for you here. Does Ange go with Burnaby who has barely been sighted and bring him in from the cold? So you don't know what his fitness level is going to be like, or do you bring in guys who are match fit because they've been playing internationally and you play Uranovic at left back and you play Ralston at right back. And then later on, if you need to take one of them off, you can and then bring Burnaby on and get him half an hour. To integrate into the squad a bit more, that's where my question mark is. Welsh and Jens will be the centre back pairing, that's fine, but it's what are we doing with the left back situation? Is it gonna be Juranovic there? Taylor played for Scotland last night. There's the comments, so right?
1: Okay, so Taylor will probably play
0: then because he's yes. So, that being the case, thank you in the comments for letting us know. I will run a base back on the bench then. So it's Juranovich at right back, Taylor left back. There it is. Girls at Celtic Park. Get Yoranovich out on those wide open spaces. So happy with that. Midfield, yeah, I'll go with the same three you went with. So with Kalmak, O'Reilly and uh Hatate up front. Well, yeah, it's gotta be Kyogo because the other guys are injured. Um, and then it's a question of, I was going to say, do we go with Jodder on the right and go with Haxabanovich on the left? But he's injured, so yeah, it'll be Jodder on the left, and it will be Abada on the or Forrest on the right. So probably a barter. Hmm. So that's that's my lineup there. The subs that I mentioned, who's going to come off the bench? Abelgard will. Red Zepp's a grand there, saying i say yes for an Abelgaard debut. So we'll see Abelgard mm. out there. We'll probably see Moy. Uh, yeah. We'll see probably Forrest. Um, yeah. And then the rest is, I don't know, keeping in our back pocket. Might, um,
1: might, might see Burnaby in the second half, depending how Taylor's feeling, if he's fully recovered or not. Um yeah, good point. Yeah.
0: And the last thing for the match that I wanted to do was, you've already said 5-1 your score prediction. So yeah. my score prediction, I'm going to be a little bit more restrained here. And normally I say that and then I give a 7-0 or something like that. But <laughs> nah, I'm going to get only a 4-0. Ah. It's
1: good times when 4-0 is considered restrained, isn't
0: it? <laughs> yep. So here you go. Liam, a comment for you from Vanessa. I'm glad you didn't pick Maeda. He's been poor this season.
1: Well, I would have picked him if he'd been fit. but <laughs> I again, I am, to... I am slightly biased. And I don't think he's been poor this season. I just think he's not quite... I don't think him or Kyogo have hit top gear yet, to be honest.
0: I've got a nice one for you, Liam. It's not that they've been poor. They just haven't been clinical in front of goals. That's the difference. Yes. Last season, yes. the chances that they're getting at the moment... They were putting them in the net last season. They're not putting them in the net at the moment. That's the difference. Exactly. Yeah. So for me, that's... Yeah, I know he's paid to score goals, but it will come.
1: The thing with Maeda in particular is that there is this kind of misconception amongst... Now, because... I mean, he was the joint top goal scorer in the J League last season, but he wasn't signed for Celtic as an out-and-out striker his best position in our team is on the wing. Um, and I think that, yes, he should have taken some of the chances that's been presented to him in games recently. And that's, you know, that that's poor form. But I don't think it's fair to judge him purely on the number of goals that he scores. Try and look at the bigger picture of his overall play. He's um, he's shutting down He's work rate. He's running. Is uh, the way he he'll run one way and maybe take a defender or two with him which opens up the space for Kyogo to nip in and get a goal you know that happens quite often but that's the sort of thing which the cameras don't always pick up and fans might not always notice as a result
0: yep that's what Sean was saying when he was saying when he was at the game there's things that you notice a hell of a lot more like how much running Kyogo does? How much running Maeda does? That sort of stuff that he's didn't know you don't can't notice over this side of the world on TV, but when you're in the stadium, it's a lot more obvious. So yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Actually, goes back to something you were talking about earlier. I think um, slight tangent here, but I think that is why generally, from what I've seen, Kyogo does not tend to do as well for Japan as he does for Celtic. Because in the Celtic team, Ange's philosophy is we never stop. It's all about quick passing, one-touch football, instinctive finishing, which Kyogo is one of the best at. But with the Japanese team, Moriasu, the manager, takes a much more methodical approach. It's all about the slow build-up. It's and about then, the, the passing back and forth. And Kyogo is is a is a reactionary player. He's not a player who who needs time to think. And sometimes when he does have time to think, he will screw it up, as he did a couple of times last night in the first half.
0: Yep. The other thing with Japan as well, though, is they tend to slow it down when they've got the ball in possession. But then when the opposition has it, they're, they're a weird one. They've got like these two different styles within, I've noticed. So like, they'll, instead of pressing like we do, they'll press for a little bit, then they'll drop back deep. And then they'll mm. look to counter. So it's either press early, win the ball back, and then keep possession. If they don't win it back after like one or two passes, then it's, okay, everyone drop deep, pack it in, and then win the ball back, and then let's go quick counter attack. There's there's no middle. It's like, you know how we press, and then if we don't get the first press, we get the second press at Celtic, and then we players position and slide into where the outlet passes would go from where mm. the press is, so that if they try to reverse it across the front there, it gets cut off. If they try down the line we've got a guy who can header it in the touch and we can set our defence again. They throw it in and then we press again. That's what we do. Japan doesn't do that. If that ball goes down the line and goes out for a throw, then they'll just drop back.
1: Yeah, yeah. But by the same token, that is why when they play Brazil, they only lose 1-0. Whereas when we play Real Madrid, we lose 3-0. But we create a lot more chances. You know, it's... We get done 7-0. Well, let's not go there. But yeah, but it's a trade-off. It is a trade-off. Yeah. You've got to create chances to score goals, and I think that, yeah, Japan can go ahead, go ahead and say, "Oh, when we lost one 0 to Brazil, it's like, aye, oh, but you offered almost nothing in an attacking sense." So it is
0: funny though, because watching them as the opposition, Japan, right? Because over here, being in Australia, watching them play in mm. soccer is like it's kind of funny because I look at it and go, "the the trade-off here is they can win ugly because of they drop." deep and play on the counter, but yeah. then they can also win playing some sexy football by, you know, pressing and holding the ball and having all those passes, a la Brendan Rogers style. So they can win two different ways. So it's actually mm-hmm. a really good good coaching job there. I will give credit where it's due. Moriasu, I know there's a lot of people who aren't fans of him, but he's got his team well drilled.
1: Yeah, I got- but it also speaks to the, the general adaptability of Japanese players, which is something we see at Celtic, where you see like the way Maeda drops in and out of different roles. Kyogo can play wide. Hatate can, you know, play midfield or he can play as like just off the striker if he has to. Um it's it's a thing which Japanese players in general it's drilled into them from high school. Is like versatility is your key. You your best chance of getting a starting berth in the team is not by being the best striker or being the best midfielder. It is by being like the guy who does the best job on the wing but can also do a job at, at full back, can also do a job at centre forward. You know, versatility gets you a long way.
0: Case um, in point. Yeah. Um Hitate, when he was a was at Kawasaki, he was playing left back.
1: Yeah. Yeah, played about
0: two-thirds two of the season at left-back. Yeah, And when we went to a back three against St. Mirren the other day, I was like, okay, who's going to be dropping in on the side there? And then all of a sudden I saw Hattare out there for a bit. I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot he could play left-back. Liam told me that. So it ties yeah. back into the versatility comment. But let's get back to um, the next topic. We'll quickly crack on through that. So there was a story come out about Celtic's annual results. PLC's results. So the year ended 30th of June, 2022. Mm -hmm. I don't want to go into too much detail. I'm just going to go through some stuff here. Then you can jump in. Anyone who's tuning in on YouTube, if this is the sort of thing that's going to put you to sleep, I'm sorry. I'll be a good, um, you know, lullaby music for you reading this. So group revenue increased by 45.2% to 88.2 million. The year before it was Mm 60.8 Funny having um, been able to get crowds in and European games and all that sort of stuff, what it does. Operating expenses, including labor, increased by 23.4% to, 91.4, to seven, 91.7 million. The year before it was at 74 million. So, looking at that again, you know, people are coming to games, you need to hire staff in the stadium. That's my take on that. Gain on sale of player registrations. Of 29 million the year before we made 9.4. So that would be the sales of Edward I.R. Uh, Christie. Yeah. Acquisition of player registrations of 38.4 million. So realistically, that's what we spent on all our guys last year. Plus, because it was to the end of June this year, that also includes the fees for Carter Vickers and Jotta to make it permanent. Yep. Year before we spent thirteen and a half million, but the thing is, like, okay, we sold players for twenty nine million. We had, we, so, we spent thirty eight point four million. Just waiting for any working Rangers fans in the comments to be saying, "Oh, I see, thirty eight million, you bought the league title last year." What you got to realise was also the money sitting there from when we lo- when we sold Frimpol. But you add on to nice. that twenty nine million, so. We basically funded by selling four players. We funded the whole rebuild. Yeah. Profit before tax was six point one million. The year before there was a loss of eleven and a half million. So that's a fair turnaround. An end of year cash net in of bank borrowings of thirty point two million, up from sixteen point six million. So it's always good to be borrowing money because you get good credit. So. I don't see an issue with that because clearly we'd be able to to afford to pay that off anyway. So yeah, I'm thinking it's good to see um, you know things are looking back the way they should be. But it's just those two I wanted to point out about the in particular. As I said while going through that, the total we brought in on sales, the total we spent on the rebuild. Then you add to that this year, who are the players that we've signed after the thirtieth, so as of the first of July this year. Who would we be adding to that? Um there'd be the Haksabanovic fee. That'd be about it, wouldn't it? And maybe the Burnaby fee or oh, was he in? no he was in before as well.
1: Yeah, he was the only one. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So there you go it's maybe only one or two to be added to that. So that's insane. So mm. good stuff. I just want any range, any American Rangers fans to shove their whole narrative of you bought last year's title up right up there to the <laughs> tightest depth of your, like, intestines. Put it right up there.
1: Aye, and uh, unlike you, uh, our team cost a bit more than a pound, so. <laughs> hey!
0: This <laughs> the third one for the episode. Williams <laughs> completed the hat uh, trick,
1: everyone. Oh, aye, aye.
0: So what we'll do, we've got the um the comments section going. So if you have got any comments or any topics you want to say, just throw them in there for us. We'll go through a few of them before we sign off for the day. So I'll bring up um comment here from Dermot Celtic Rabito. Hell, hail! hail all. Is it true Oz has the record for consecutive World Cup qualifications? Eleven. I heard it today. Pretty amazing. Pair Scotland. Did Scotland qualify for any of these? Okay. Incorrect. Australia qualified in 1974 and then there was nothing until the 2006 World Cup. So it's 2006, 2010, 2014, 2018, 2022. So that's five consecutive World Cups that we've qualified for.
1: Yeah. Uh, Japan Mm -hmm. are currently at seven. So they've been every World Cup since ninety eight. I don't know I mean, I assume Brazil is probably the one that's got the most consecutive. I don't think they've ever not qualified. Um,
0: Just googling it now, Liam. So filling some time.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, no, but it, it, I know that I think that certainly in Asia, Japan hold the record because I think there was one World Cup in where where, where Korea didn't qualify. Um, you were in right until. Brazil. Aye, aye. I think they might be the only team that's been at every World Cup, actually. Um,
0: 22 straight World Cups they've been to.
1: Yeah.
0: So the inaugural winners in 1930 were Uruguay, current champions mm-hmm. of France. The most successful nation is currently Brazil, who have won it five times. So the World Cup debuted in 1930. That's when Brazil debuted, and they've been at every one since.
1: Aye, but remember, Jared, those don't count because Rangers weren't in them. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. It's been one of those weeks. Anyway.
0: <laughs> All right. So that's one of them. And I mm. had another comment up here from Martin Cairns. I'm down in our Tasmanian CSC. How hail, hail, Martin. down in Hobart. Hopefully catch you in Sydney for a beer, Jared. Tassie CSC, looking forward to it. I saw the postmark, and you guys are getting your flag made. looks Looks brilliant, mate. Can't wait to meet up, have a beer with you guys, and uh, yeah, looking forward to Sydney. A couple of months to go. Flights have been booked, hotels booked, ready to go. Ordered more of these flags back here, so they'll, I'll be up there with about fifty of them. If anyone wants to buy them, come find
1: me. I'm afraid I'll be staying at home with Celtic TV and a pint noodle that night. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, yeah.
0: That's right. We'll send you some random videos.
1: Yay! <laughs> yeah. So
0: um, I think me, Sean, and John will all be there anyway from the pod. So there'll be a few of us up there. So looking Thanks. forward to it. It's going to be a uh, good, good, good time. It's been what 2011 last time Celtic was out here. so 11 years.
1: Promise. Can't
0: wait. Yep. <laughs> all right. I think we'll just uh, wind the podcast up here. Can't wait for the football to come back on the weekend. International breaks suck. That's my final thought for the podcast, Liam. How about yours?
1: Uh, My final thought is, uh, well, based on something that's happened in Japan recently and something that's happened in the UK recently, state funerals should not be paid for by the public. If high profile, exceedingly rich people want to have a um, funeral with full honours, pay for it themselves.
0: Everyone, nice controversial ending by Liam. Happy days. Thanks for tuning in. Appreciate and uh, love that each and every one of you wanted to spend some of your time watching the pod or listening in. So thank you so much. Chat to you next week. Hail, hail.
1: Hail, hail.